With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Figured I would uh, start with this. I want to thank uh, the Detroit Grand Prix for allowing me to be Grand Marshal on uh, June 12th at Belle Isle. So, as you can see, I'm pretty excited about that. So, it gives me a chance to go out and see some of our fans who I know will be out there, but then just watch a good race, man, around some good people. So, I'm pretty excited about it. Not exactly Michael Dukakis popping out of a tank in 1988, but close enough, Peter. You and I may be the only ones in America who get that one, assuming you even got that one. Good morning. How are you? I do get that one, of course. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hi. Good. Good. Uh, I didn't know that headgear was required today other than toupee and or hair system for me. I would have worn a helmet. I've got some helmets floating around. Not a race car helmet, though. You know, the thing is, this, not to sort of segue into uh, the, the, the Campbell-ology of Detroit, but what I think is going to be really, really interesting is to see a coach who admittedly really likes to have fun and who can also light it up in front of the press. He's not only, you know, a first press conference kneecap biter, I think this guy is going to be entertaining <laughs> through the course of the year. I mean, the question is, is his over-under on great press conferences going to be higher than his over-under on wins for the Lions? And, you know, and I've said this before as it relates to the Lions. When everything that you've done for the last six decades, for the most part, has not worked, what the hell? Let's go full-blown kneecap biter. Let's go old school. Let's do the things that no one else currently is doing because they're not going to be ready for us when we come to town and we're rough and tumble and we're old school and we're doing it the Chris Spielman, Dan Campbell way. And this does, in my view, trace back to Chris Spielman. He's the guy responsible for this, and I mean it in a good way. Rick Spielman, his brother, who's the GM of the Vikings, told me several months ago when 
I I asked him point blank, have you gotten a dispensation from your brother Chris that they won't try to bite off your team's kneecaps? He said when his wife, when Rick's wife saw the press conference with Dan Campbell, her immediate conclusion was that's definitely the guy that Chris would hire. So I think it's a combination of Chris Spielman and Dan Campbell, and it's a new attitude, and everything else hasn't worked. So what the hell? What the hell? Nothing else has yeah. worked. Let's try this, and at least we'll have some fun along the way. And look, you know, I remember I talked to Chris Spielman when he took this job a few months ago. And one of the things he said was, look, I am not going to be a guy who is going to make the hires, who's going to be leaning on a guy's shoulders. I'm basically going to say, what do you need me to do to help? But he did say, "Oh, I, because I said to him, I said, so are you moving up there? You're going to be there every day. He said, Peter, come on. I forget his exact words, but it might have been. That's an insulting question. Because his 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 mind was all on, if I take this job, I am all in. And we will fix the Lions. It's not like we're going to try to fix the Lions. We will fix the Lions. So you're right. I mean, the Dan Campbell hire and what we've seen since then. The other thing, I don't think you can understate how significant it is when they drafted Panay Sewell and he stood up there at his first press conference and talked about how much, how excited he was to come to the D. And, you know, all of these things that over time you've sort of had players say, hey, it's great, I'm on the Lions, whoopee. Uh, but, I mean, now you really get the feeling that some of those guys are happy to be in the presence of a guy like Dan Campbell and what's going to be a very, very different franchise uh, in Detroit. And to put one final pin on it, your question to Rick, uh, to Chris Spielman was not out of bounds because once upon a time, the Lions had a general manager who commuted back and forth between Detroit and a farm in Pennsylvania. So, yeah, I mean, Chris Spielman's not even the GM. He's going to be there every day. He's available for everything they need. I, I think other teams are going to realize, hey, there's value in having someone in the building who isn't the GM, who isn't the coach, who isn't an executive, who's a former player, who is able to set aside his ego, as Chris will, and just do whatever needs to be done to help the greater good. You want me to watch film? I'll watch film. You want me to help you with the playbook? I'll help with the playbook. You want me to go help coach linebackers? I'll go help coach linebackers. I'll do whatever needs to be done. And I'm just here to help us establish a culture, an attitude, a passion for winning. Because that presence in and of itself, Peter, can rub off on everyone else. The other thing that can rub off on everybody else is... Uh, a disdain for losing and a and a non-acceptance of losing. You know, I'll never forget when uh, the Detroit Lions with Chris Spielman playing middle linebacker were getting wiped off the map late in the fourth quarter of a playoff game at Washington. I think it was a wild card game. And, you know, they were down by like 25 points. And the... Uh, and Washington started to take a knee at the end of the game. And Chris Spielman cursed out the quarterback. He cursed out all the players on the opposition. 
because he said, come on, it's a 60-minute game. Let's all be men here, you know, and that's the way Chris Spielman is. And I think players who like that, hey, that's not for everybody, Mike, as you know, but players who like that are going to like the ethos of these Detroit Lions. And the challenge becomes finding players who will truly embrace that, not just say all the right things, but do the right things that mesh with what Rick Spielman, Chris Spielman, damn it, Chris Spielman, that's twice, Chris Spielman and Dan Campbell are looking for in Detroit. All right. In New England, they're looking for a quarterback who can appropriately succeed Tom Brady. They have Cam Newton. They drafted Mac Jones. Yesterday, offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels meeting with reporters and talking about the quarterback situation in New England. Let's hear from Josh McDaniels. It was a unique scenario. Uh, he worked his butt off last year to do it, and then he came back certainly this year at a at a, a much different position. You know, he has a – a different grasp of the offense, a different understanding of the terminology. Um, and now we're working on refining, um, you know, the, the, the precision, the details. Um, and I always talk to the quarterbacks about trying to master, you know, the, the operation and the things we need them to do, you know, and um, you know, there's, there's always work to be done in that area. I don't care what quarterback you're talking about. There's always work to be done. Mac, um, He's, he's, you know, he, he's won a lot of games, you know, in, in the last year plus, you know, at Alabama, um, he's played in some big games, um, some pressure situations. Um, you know, he takes care of the football. Um, he's demonstrated an ability to function, um, at a pretty high level in their system and their offense with their terminology. The best thing about coaching these guys, and then we got four great guys in the room is, you coach all of them hard and you coach them all fairly and you coach them all, um, you know, to, to what they need. You know, uh, one of them might need a kick in the butt once in a while. And one of them might need a pat on the back. And uh, but what all of them need is good, honest communication and, you know, we, constructive criticism. Uh, we need to teach every day. I'm not taking anything for granted, uh, making sure that we cover uh, everything A to Z um, and giving them an opportunity to make a mistake, fix it. Uh, come back and try it again. Look, they've got an interesting situation because I think they really like Cam Newton. Cutting against that perception, the fact that they used the 15th overall pick in the draft to acquire Mac Jones. Now you got two guys, and Bill Belichick, ultimate meritocracy, best interest of the team, put the best guy on the field. I, look, I, 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 there's a long way to go to get to the point where we know who's going to be the best guy for week one. And frankly, Peter, I think that at some level they're thinking who's the best guy for week four when Tom Brady comes back to town for a showdown that they can downplay all they want. But I think that there's the preseason, then there's the pre-Tom Brady. That's really when the season starts. So you got three regular season games to kind of sort this out. How do you think this is all going to play out for the Patriots? You know, I'm like everybody else, Mike. I just assume that Cam Newton is going to start the season. And then uh, at some point, if he's not, if he's playing the way he played last year, they'll put Mac Jones in early. Um, but I was intrigued uh, by a podcast I listened to the other day from Greg Bedard, my former peer at uh, Sports Illustrated in the MMQB. 
uh, you know, he now runs a site, the Boston Sports Journal up in Boston. And he had been to a minicamp practice. And I have to tell you, Greg Bedard is a tough grader. You know, he does not grade on the curve at all. And uh, he, he basically came away from that saying, it's now not a question of if Mac Jones is going to be the quarterback of the team. It's when. And, you know, I, that really kind of, uh, you know, made an impact on my decision. We don't see these minicamp practices. We don't know. But I do think that Belichick is going to be just very, very, very middle of the road on this. He is going to go, as Parcells used to say, as he says, all I can do is go by what I see. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's going to ultimately make decisions not based on the fact that they gave Cam Newton X million dollars to come back or that they made Mac Jones the 15th overall pick in the draft, so we have to go with him at some point because we use such a high selection. He's going to go with who he thinks gives the team the best chance to win. And I've kicked around the idea, Peter, that Belichick, the ultimate game-specific planner, and maybe this week the defense we're facing is conducive yeah. to Cam Newton. Maybe this week the, the, the right. we should use Mac Jones. But, but balancing against that, because I've run that by Sims, who worked up there for a year or so, he thinks that Belichick ultimately wants one guy to emerge as the leader. And if you're – if you're revolving your quarterbacks based on matchups, you never have the one guy who's the leader. Look, here's the uh, here's in, in sort of in defense of Chris or in support of Chris's statement. I will never forget, Mike, uh, back in 2001, when obviously the terrible injury to Drew Bledsoe early in the season against the New York Jets, uh, he almost lost his life. And then after that, Tom Brady plays really well. Um, and you enter now late in the season, you got a playoff decision to make, you know, versus let's say, you know, first the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs and then against the Rams in the championship game. And look, you know, you've got basically, and I don't want to say the hot breath of Robert Kraft you know, on your neck. But Robert Kraft, a year earlier, had made Drew Bledsoe the highest paid player in football history. And now you've got a coach who has uh, made the 199th pick in the draft in 2000 ascend to the throne. Well, Bill Belichick better be right. And of course he was. But that's why, to me, he will not be afraid of making the tough decision of sitting the 2015 MVP for the 15th pick in the draft in 2021. All he has to think is that it gives his team one scintilla better chance to win the game that weekend, and he will make that call. And Bledsoe and Brady didn't have dramatically different skill sets. I was at the AFC Championship game when Brady got injured. Bledsoe came in helped the Patriots win the game and some thought oh Bledsoe Super Bowl 36 he's back and no it's Brady but Cam Newton and Mac Jones very different in what they can do that's what's gotten me thinking that just like they shuttle in running backs game by game based upon the type of attack they think is necessary to beat a given defense he may at least entertain the possibility 
of using both of his guys since it's not an identical skill set and it could in one game give you that scintilla of benefit that in another game it wouldn't that's going to be the challenge because I think they really do want to have that leader and one of the reasons they really like Cam Newton they think he was the perfect guy to follow Tom Brady in the locker room because the guys took to Cam Newton last year he leads in a different way than Tom Brady but he he brought them together and I really wish for a variety of reasons he hadn't had to struggle with COVID-19 last year because I think that took a lot out of him and I think he still doesn't realize what it did and I think it gave us a false view of what he really could do and now he's got the opportunity to show that he can do enough to keep the 15th overall pick on the bench I think the biggest question really is in Cam Newton's career he's a 60 percent passer now he was 65 percent last year in New England Um, but one of the reasons why Mac Jones took the college football world by storm is that he set the all-time single-season NCAA Division I, whatever it's called, record for most accurate uh, passing season ever by a quarterback. And that, to me, is what is the real plus of Mac Jones. He not only was the most accurate passer, period, but... He also completed 58% of his passes, thrown 20 yards or more downfield. So, look, you know, Josh McDaniels is going to be very, very tight end conscious this year with Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. But when you decide to throw the ball downfield, this is the forte of Mac Jones. And so we'll see how they both do in camp. This is probably not a decision where you're going to have full clarity by the opening of the season, but I, I think I think the job is open. Um, I would give Cam Newton the best shot to start opening day, but he's going to have to play well if that happens to keep the job. I agree with you completely, and again, I believe the season starts for the Patriots week four Sunday night football when the Bucks come to town, and Bill Belichick wants to know, which of those two guys is going to give his team the best chance to send the Buccaneers and Brady out of Gillette Stadium with a loss? No one has any losses yet, though. It's one of the beauties of this stage of the calendar. Everyone's 0-0, zero and zero, and in theory, everyone can continue to have zero losses indefinitely. That sparked a comment over the weekend from Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback, when, when pressed on the question of his individual goals, he said, my only goal is to go 20 and 0. That became a thing because it's kind of slow right now, if you haven't noticed. Andy Reid, the coach of the Chiefs, and Mahomes addressed in sessions with reporters on Thursday the 20 and 0 comment from Mahomes. Let's have a listen. He was asked, you know, what would, what would be a great challenge for him and, you know, to, to work for. And so, you know, 20 and 0 made sense, but I mean, it's, uh, uh, he wasn't boasting about it. <laughs> that's not what he was doing, but he, he just said, that's, uh, that'd be a great challenge, which it would be. I mean, we've got a, you know, we've got a pretty stiff schedule and, uh, some great competition that we're going to play against. So, um, I, I felt like he was really saying, listen, we all need to get busy and, and work our tail off, uh, because of that. So what was your teammates reaction when, when the news of that started going around? I don't think there was really a, a reaction at all. I mean, if you're in this league, you want to win every single time you're on the football field. 
Um, I think people get a whole hyped up about saying 20 and 0 because you have to take it one week at a time. But at the end of the day, you you want to continue to win every single week. I'm not uh, going into the season hoping I lose any games. On the uh, goal of 20 and 0, um, obviously you're not the only quarterback or only team that wants to do that. There's 31 other teams that want to do that. But nobody else, at least that I've heard, has gone public with it. I'm just curious why you decided you would go public with that, why you would come out with that uh, right now. Yeah, I mean, I believe the the question I was asked was uh, what record that I would want to break. And to me, records don't mean anything if you're not winning that last game at the end of the season. So uh, uh, to me, it's about going in every single week with the mindset that we're trying to win, we're going to win. Um, and I, at the end of the day, whatever the record is, if it's 20 and zero or, or whatever it is, you're winning that last game of the season, uh, then you're going to be happy with whatever happened uh, earlier in the season. Well, and that's for damn sure. I mean, ultimately, that's what you want to do is win the Super Bowl. But he did articulate going 20 and zero. And look, last season, the Chargers game at the end of the year, they weren't trying to win. Patrick Mahomes didn't play in that game, and they lost that one. The only game they lost, other than Super Bowl 55, that they were trying to win came against the Raiders, and that was just kind of one of those fluke things. They, they, they played down to the level of the competition more than than I would like to see, but they still find a way to win those games. They can find the gas pedal, and it seems like they inevitably do. And I think that's why the Super Bowl didn't seem like the blowout that it was because we continued to anticipate that they were going to rattle off 24 points in a moment's notice. But, you know, Peter, of, of all the teams out there, and I think PointsBet has the odds at 40-1 to 1 for the Chiefs to go 17-0 and 0 in the regular season, and for the Bucks, it's 50-1. to 1. Yeah, I, look, the Chiefs have a, as good a chance as any to come out and rattle off win after win after win because that's pretty much what they've been doing. The Super Bowl may have clouded us a little bit. This is still a damn good football team, and they went out this offseason and they addressed their weaknesses. You know, no team was uh, took one position group, <clears throat> I would say maybe other than New England in the tight end position, but no team took one position group and improved it the way the Kansas City Chiefs did with their offensive line. Basically, that was the worst offensive line in the NFL on Super Sunday. The worst. And they paid for it with Patrick Mahomes getting pressured and sacked and or sacked 29 times. That is a phenomenally awful performance by an offensive line. And what Brett Veach did, obviously, is come out, and when you add Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown, and very likely at some point, you know, a solid rookie center in Creed Humphrey. Um, they have done a tremendous job in rebuilding a very, very weak part of their team. Now, about 20 and 0, here's the way I look at it. You know, who, who I, it, to me, who makes a big deal of this? Because quite honestly, any quarterback right now is going to say he wants to win every game. If you win every game that you play in the course of a year, you're going to go 20 and 0. I just, to me, it's the most ho hum uh, bit of bravado I've ever heard a player say. What would you want a player to say? You know what? Our goal this year is to go 17 and 3. But nobody's, but he's the only one who said it. But he's the only one who said it. That's the thing. No one else is saying it. Even Tom Brady's not saying it. And, and, and I, even though Tom Brady's not saying it, I, I, he made the comment a couple of weeks ago he would trade two Super Bowl rings for a 19 and 0 season. Now it would be 20 and 0. I, I think for him, that's one piece of unfinished business that maybe he won't articulate. 
but that he would surely love to do. Yeah, he wants to get to number eight, but if he could get to number eight and not lose a game along the way, and they're, you know, they're bringing back everybody. I, it, it, and that that is just that that drive from Tom, and Tom internalizes a lot of that stuff. But yeah, everybody wants to win every game possible, and this year it gets harder because there's another game to play. 17. We've never had 17 regular season games. Chances of anybody navigating their own schedule successfully through 17 weeks and then through the postseason. Very slim. Very slim. I mean, it hasn't happened in 50 years. So well, uh, the no reason, reason why it's, it's going to happen all of a sudden now. The reason why it's so slim, Mike, is that the vast majority, I bet, at I mean, maybe 32, but the vast majority of NFL coaches, if you have nothing to play for, in the last week or maybe even the last two weeks of the season, they are going to take the foot off the gas pedal. So it's just like, you know, why would you think that Andy Reid would play 2021 any different than he played 2020? You know, if he doesn't have anything to play for in week 17 or game 17, I should say, he's going to take Patrick Mahomes and some of his guys out of harm's way in that game and remember we got that lesson a couple of years ago from the Ravens who did that and were flat against the Titans in that Saturday night divisional round game and maybe in hindsight they wish they had played those guys and not given them what amounts to three weeks off when you throw in the bye on top of it but and with 17 games we don't know how it's going to play out but you could have teams in theory realize earlier that you know that, that we've got three two more than one game that's meaningless because we've got everything sewn up despite the number of games left but that's a good point as well you have to have a coach who's willing to assume the risk of getting guys injured in meaningless games to carry it through and then when you do it if you do go undefeated in the regular season one thing Rodney Harrison has said in the past and Matt Casey's reminded me of it it put more pressure on them in the postseason it put more pressure on them in the Super Bowl to finish the job when they were 18 and 0 and clearly that day the Patriots that we saw against the Giants were not the Patriots that we had seen all year long blowing people off the field all right we haven't seen the Cowboys operate at a high level in more than a quarter of a century. It's now 26 years since they made it to the NFC Championship game, but there's always plenty of hype. One of the focal points of the hype this offseason, second-year receiver C.D. Lamb. On Thursday, Coach Mike McCarthy and Lamb talked about the leap that they expect from the first-round pick in 2021. Here they are. I think, you know, C.D. is an excellent example of what you're looking for in your second-year players. I've always felt... Uh, with with a full off season program, um, the, the the age you know the the second year player benefits the most. I, I've always felt when you're able to have the the full nine weeks, and uh, and I've always referred to it as the second year jump. I feel like the jump is is definitely there. I can it's 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 all in the future whether they gauge it. Uh, I'm excited about the future. Uh, can't wait till the season. And um, but definitely OTAs has been has been a uh, a big plus for me in my opinion. I see your bracelet. What, what, what's the, what are we getting the popcorn ready for on the, on the deal? Uh, you saw it today. You saw it today. You saw it today. Okay. 
Anything else? Get your, get your popcorn ready. Oh, get your popcorn ready. Hey, you got to send T.O. a few bucks if you use his catchphrase CD. Get your popcorn ready. We haven't heard that in a while from an NFL receiver, but uh, no reason to think this guy's not going to continue to develop. They have a great core of receivers there in Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and C.D. Lamb. Tony Pollard getting some reps at receiver so they can get their best guys on the field because he's stuck behind Ezekiel Elliott. He's shown he can play at a high level. Cowboys offense, a lot of stuff to be excited about, Peter. It's the defense that is going to keep people up at night, and it's going to result in some high-scoring Arena Football League games for that team this year, I believe. Look, we all know, Mike, that last year the reason that the Cowboys crashed and burned early is that their defense did not take on, you know, did not basically take the defense that Mike Nolan was coaching virtually and adopt it as their own. And they were awful early in the season and at all points, many points during the season. And that's why, to me, the most valuable person inside the Dallas Cowboys this year is Dan Quinn. Because last year, they failed to take a new defense, learn it, assimilate it, and be, and become really good in that scheme. So now Dan Quinn comes in, kind of the uber-aggressive Dan Quinn, brings a couple of his guys from Atlanta to show the way. But this is a team that training camp is going to be absolutely vital to. And, you know, their, their mini-camp stuff that they're doing right now. You saw yesterday, I think it was yesterday in practice, that Leighton Van Der Esch is flying all around the place and all these guys are, are you know, going crazy during minicamp. And I think the reason is very, very simple. They realize that they blew it last year. They absolutely, totally blew it last year for what would have been a good enough offensive team, even with Andy Dalton. So Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn have, are laying down the law and saying that's got to change. The question is, if Dak Prescott's healthy all year long, will it matter how good or bad the defense is? Because with Dak, and he was on pace to have a ridiculous amount of passing yards. I mean, it would have been a record. Now, it was through four games. He got injured in week five, I believe. But if Dak's healthy, just go out and ring up the points and dare the other side to to match it or beat it. I just wonder, you know, the big talking point that we missed last year, we all missed it was that they're bringing in Mike Nolan, they're using a different defense with guys who are suited to the last defense. Now, are are there enough guys from the defense they were using before Mike Nolan to go back to that Seattle type of a defense and still make it work? What does last year's experience do by way of expunging some of the players who were were able to run the pass defense and you have to unlearn and relearn. I, I think that's part of this challenge. And as you say, in training camp, that's where they're going to get these guys reprogrammed to do what's what needs to be done under Dan Quinn. And and Peter, look, Dan Quinn's never been the defensive coordinator of an offensive team. He was the defensive coordinator of a defensive team where Pete Carroll was basically in charge. And then he took over as the head coach of the Falcons. This is kind of a new thing for him where, you know, some of these offensive coaches basically hand the keys to the defense and it's all yours. Maybe he'll thrive 
Maybe this is exactly what he needs. But th- this is new for him. He has not done this where he's been that guy who basically runs the defense while the offensive head coach is worrying about that side of the ball. I think the big thing here, Mike, is whether he can take – like I, th- I think a really important player on his defense is going to be Keanu Neal because when you look at the way Keanu Neal plays, okay, he is a guy who is a classic – Big safety to play down in the box and to impact the game both in the run game and the pass game. I think he's a terrific player, a terrific add for the Dallas Cowboys. The question is, how do they move him into the lineup? Is he going to take some snaps away from Jalen Smith, let's say? Those are the kind of things that are, you know, are to be determined. But I think the one other thing, Mike, you talk about. You know, you sound like you almost take for granted that Dak Prescott is going to come back. This offense is going to be great. I think that's likely. I do. But here's what I'm worried about. Here's what I'm worried about on offense. I'm worried about an offensive line that two years ago, three years ago, was far and away the best in the league. And right now, I don't know how healthy that offensive line can stay. You know, with you know with Smith and Collins at the bookend tackles, they've both had injury issues. Can Zach Martin stay healthy the whole year? Uh, will they be able to get good enough play from a rising player, but we don't know that much about him yet, and Connor Williams? I, I, I just, this used to be, you know, a, a, a granite wall up front. And now we don't know exactly what it is. And so we'll see what that what that is and how well they play. But Mike, one of the things about the great offensive line they had is it allowed Ezekiel Elliott to get 4.6, 4.8 yards a carry in, in many games. You know, and last year that one really suffered. Well, and one of the things that Sims noticed after Elliott held out in 2019, and I think it was still there last year, when Elliott breaks into the open, he's not able to gain as many yards in the clear as he has in the past, and that's part of it too. So when they pop a hole for you, it doesn't become a 50-yard run. It's a 20-yard run. So I think that that's another factor, and that that favors getting Tony Pollard more involved. And the way they did the Ezekiel Elliott contract, they're stuck, frankly, for the next couple of years, and all they can do is hope that he can regain his past form. But I'll I'll concede the point that having an offensive line that isn't as good as it was a few years back is a factor. And it caused some to wonder what they were going to do with that first-round pick. They moved from 10 down to 12. They still could have gotten Rashawn Slater before the Chargers took him at 13, the tackle from Northwestern. They opted for Michael Parsons instead to shore up that defense. But it, it wasn't a ludicrous thought that they may go offensive line because that's how they built their offensive line with first-round picks, and at some point they're going to have to rebuild that offensive line, not with just whoever they can find, but they got to start reinvesting first-round picks in round one or first-round picks in the offensive line, excuse me, in order to make that offensive line what it needs to be. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Peter had some fascinating reporting earlier this week on the dynamics of the vaccinated players and the non-vaccinated players and the realities that may prompt players who have yet to be vaccinated to choose to do so. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this.
around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. PJ, obviously the, the pandemic affected your life very significantly. Um, you know, you didn't play last season. What was it like, and I, I presume you did get vaccinated, what was it like emotionally for you when, when you got vaccinated? Um, it was, so I was going back and forth on, you know, whether to do it or not. But once my, and I talked to my parents and once they got it done, I was like, well, I mean, it's no point for me not to get it done. And obviously I opted out because of COVID. So why come back? and get COVID, I'd just be pretty silly, but, <laughs> sorry, <clears throat> but once I talked to my parents, um, you know, they, they had got vaccinated, I was like, well, I mean, I feel like this is the right thing to do, so I went and got vaccinated as well. Yeah, for many people, it's a simple logic. If you're concerned about getting COVID, you get the vaccine. Guys opted out last year because they were concerned about getting COVID, passing it to family members, so this year you come back and play, there's a vaccine that's available, you get the vaccine. You're concerned about the facility, you get the vaccine. The logic seems far simpler than it ultimately plays out in practice, Peter, and that's part of what we're going to talk about. You had a report that that was stunning to me on Monday that one team has managed to get 65 of 90 players vaccinated now six weeks away from training camp. That That's an impressive number, and that's that suggests that that team will get to an 85% threshold at which there may be added benefits for the teams involved that 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 may be an outlier though because I get the impression a lot of these coaches are quietly frustrated that their guys aren't choosing to get vaccinated sooner rather than later well definitely you heard how frustrated Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills was uh, because it appears as though they're going to have a very hard time getting enough players vaccinated to live sort of 2019 lives And just so that viewers understand what we're talking about, Mike, right? In 2019, pre-pandemic, everybody was just coming in and out of business, just like they were all across the United States. Everything was normal. But in 2020, every team, all players had to be masked. Uh, There were significant restrictions. When you went on the road uh, to play a game, other than to go to your meeting room and go and get your to-go meals, 
to eat in your room. Uh, there was no, you couldn't leave your hotel. Everything was restricted. You couldn't go out during your bye week. You were basically captive. You had to stay in your city and get tested before eight o'clock every morning. So now the prospect is that if you get, and I keep hearing the number is 85%, just like it is in baseball. But if you get 85% of your players vaccinated, which in the NFL, I believe is 77 of 90 in uh, training camp. So if teams get 77 players vaccinated, then they can go back to having business as usual. And so that is what coaches really, really want. And you want to see frustrated coaches. And I did ask one coach about how his team would be different this year if they had to do it. And he goes, he goes, quite honestly, he said, we're going to work very hard to make this not be the case. But I worry about internal problems with the team, with some players saying, get the bleeping vaccine, you know, so that we can go and have basically kind of normal lives. But here's the biggest issue, Mike, that in my mind is going to convince some hesitant players to get the vaccine. I think there's a good chance that during a team's bye week this year, you know, if you play for the New England Patriots and you're from Southern California and you plan to go home in your bye week, you won't be able to go home. You will have to stay in New England and go to Foxborough by 8 o'clock every morning of the bye week. You won't even get to sleep in during the bye week. And you'll have to go and get a test every day to make sure that when the team gets back and resumes practices after that bye week, that you can come back with them, you know, in that relative normalcy with masks and with restrictions. It's one thing when everyone on the team has to do that every day, every day, get the test every day, can't go away during the bye week, got to get tested every day, got to wear the mask, everyone's got to do it. And then when it's only the ones who haven't been vaccinated, that is a a silent peer pressure that is going to, I think, get some of the players who are on the fence to go ahead and do it. Different people have different reasons for not doing it. They continue to tell us that the vaccines are safe and effective, and the idea is to get the American population to 70% vaccination so we can get to herd immunity and get on with our lives completely normally again, which would be great if we can get there. But once these guys understand, and Peter, I think the eureka moment for plenty of players will be, wait a minute, during the bye week, I, I can go wherever I want to go. I don't have to stay here. I don't have to get tested every day. If nothing else convinces them, I feel like that will. I do too, Mike. We'll see what happens. But it's funny, this coach who told me he had 65 players, it's not that he was cocky about getting to 77, but he felt like he was going to have a good chance to get to 77 players. And, and I think, I, I mean, look, I'm probably being naive about this, Mike, but I think that there are going to be quite a few teams that'll get not only to 77, but once the season starts, that will get to 85% of their final 53-man roster. And the one thing that needs to be clarified, I think, by the NFL and NFLPA whenever they come to 
an agreement about this. I think it has to be so. Uh, a, you know, let's find out for sure how big the practice squad is going to be. 14, 16, 15, 12, whatever it is. But are though I am assuming that those players are going to be a part of it. So it's not necessarily going to be 85% of 53 players. It's going to be 85%, let's say, of 67 players. Uh, so I think those are big questions that you know, need to get answered uh, before the season starts. Well, it's 57 players who would need to be vaccinated if you have 67 in the pool. It's 45 if you look at the 53-man roster. And that's an important point because – and technically, whether or not a player is vaccinated – is not a permissible factor for deciding whether or not he gets released when they cut from 90 to 53. Technically, they're not allowed to do it. And you can't say the quiet thing out loud like Bill's GM Brandon Bean did. He found out directly from the NFL. You can't say that. But, Peter, let's not be naive about this reality. When the time comes to put all the names out there, and you decide who you're keeping and who you're staying. And I saw somebody suggest on Twitter also the Bills are going to cut Josh Allen. No. If he doesn't get vaccinated, he's safe. It's the guys in those last 10 spots. If you're vaccinated, you're more likely to stay. If you're not, you're more likely to be gone. If you're a bubble guy, it is going to be a factor that helps you. If you've been vaccinated and it's going to be a factor that hurts you if you haven't been. No one has to say it. They need to be careful not to have a bunch of emails or any other text messages that would reveal that, oh, we got to get rid of this guy. He's not vaccinated. But they have they're going to know who is and isn't vaccinated. This isn't some secret information. And so I and I don't think the union's going to push them on this either because the union understands at the highest levels the value of vaccinations. Guys who were not vaccinated, who are fringe players, Peter, I think are going to be cut. Uh, I think it's they have a better chance of being cut than guys who are be, who who have been vaccinated. All things the way equal. I look at all it things is, equal. All things equal. Yes, all things. Two equal. guys. All things Why equal. One guy's vaccinated. One's not. The guy who's vaccinated stays. The guy who isn't goes. That's what's going to happen. Even though they're not supposed to make that a factor. And and look. Who, who could blame anybody in the NFL for doing this? You want to get back to normal. You want your team to have some freedom. You want your players to have some freedom. And what better way to do this than to get 85% of your players vaccinated and get back to some semblance of 2019? Now, you know, you talk about the Josh Allen example. You're absolutely right. No really good player is getting cut because he isn't vaccinated. But that's what I said a minute ago, Mike. There are going to be some things going on if some team is two players away from that 85% limit. You don't think there's going to be some tacit and maybe some overt pressure on the unvaccinated players to stop bleeping this up for the rest of us? I, I mean, that also is going to be a factor, I believe, in some teams. And, you know, you're hearing it now. I've read a lot about different baseball teams where, you know, the Chicago Cubs, the general manager is incredibly frustrated. He never thought that 
being a general manager is going to require him to plead with players. Please take this vaccine, which can help you prevent getting a very serious disease. (laughs) But that's what they have done. So, I mean, we're going to see that happen in the NFL. We don't know the stories yet, but it will happen. And let me just add this point, and I am joking when I say it, but I can't resist it. The hazing ritual of tying a guy to the goalpost this year when they tie the guy to the goalpost, hey, go ahead and vaccinate him while we have him immobilized. That that may happen. It's not going to happen, but I'm just you – know, that is going to be a real locker room dynamic. You get a leader in the locker room who has been vaccinated and wants to have the benefit of the 85% threshold and wants to be normal, and he's a dynamic, strong leader, You, I can guarantee you. That team's getting 85%, and that's going to be part of it as well. I I was fascinated by something that happened yesterday. Jordan Poyer, Bill's defensive back, was asked about whether or not he's been vaccinated, and we may hear more of what Poyer had to say yesterday. Let's, Let's hear how he responded to questions about whether or not he has gotten or will get the vaccine. Real quick before we start, I'm not going to be answering any questions about the vaccine, so... uh you guys can direct your questions all to football. I would love to answer them. So, all respectfully, I appreciate it. The NFL put out um, numbers that teams need to reach certain levels of vaccinations, and there's that word. If you reach the, those levels, you would be able to go to St. John Fisher and actually have a, a return to normalcy um, in, in, in some sense. Do you foresee that happening? John, I appreciate you, uh, and 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 you know you've, you've you've done interviews with me a long time, dude. But I'm I'm just not answering any questions that have anything to do with the vaccine. And right, uh, I, I I and, and I, I understand. I, I don't even want to you know I don't even want to put that in the in the you know you know I I like camp at St. John Fisher. I like camp here. They're two totally different um, places. Camp here, you get all the facility. You know, camp there, obviously, you get the. Um, the camaraderie with the guys staying, but you know, at the end of the day, that's not my decision to make. Um, and so, you know, I'm just, I'm just here with my team right now. But I, I, like I say, John, you know, it's all respect, but that's that's how I'm going to answer that. You know, it's clear from Poyer's comments that he, I, I would surmise, hasn't gotten vaccinated, doesn't intend to get vaccinated. Why would you not want to talk about it if you have been and you support it? So. Uh, I, I think we can infer that that he he's in the camp where number one I haven't gotten it number two I ain't getting it and number three I ain't talking about it and you know Peter I saw some reaction on social media to the story we posted about his comments and and, and of course social media it it is what it is and what it is at times is not good. But the attitude is, well, th- th- this is a medical thing and it's HIPAA and it's private. Look, this is a this is part and parcel of a football team. Because of that 85% threshold, because of the the less restriction that's going to apply to the guys who have been vaccinated, it becomes an integral part of your 2021 football experience. This isn't about the science of vaccinations, the philosophy of vaccinations. This is about checking boxes and getting a team back to normal, plain and simple. And, you know, one of the things that is going to be odd for me to think about is when you have guys that are, you know, Jordan Poyer has been a tremendous, not only player, but he's been a tremendous leader for that, uh, for that Buffalo defense. And, and so we'll see what happens, Mike. I, 
I, and I don't know whether Jordan Poyer, it's, I, I would infer the same thing as you, but I don't know that. I mean, I guess my whole point about all of this is that I think we are in a divided time in our country. And we have the potential to have potentially a divided time among teams this year. And I fully understand why a lot of players don't want to talk about it, don't want to address it, don't want to do anything. Because for all we know, you know, Jerry Hughes of the Bills and and whoever else on the Bills, the guys who are sharing the same locker room, are ferociously pro-vaccine. And so, you know, you don't want to open this can of worms where it's player versus player on a team because all that can do is help tear your team asunder. That's why it's going to be so interesting to see. I mean, Mike, can you imagine this year? Just imagine this year that some team, Team X is 2-12. and 12. It's late in the year, and they're still having all these restrictions. And their team is closed off and all this. Don't you think words is going to start leaking out of there that this guy is ticked off at that guy because he's preventing him from getting to 85? I absolutely think that's going to happen. And, and Peter, the Bills are at the center of this for now. And, it's, and we're not picking on the Bills. They're the ones who have created the stream of news. It started with Josh Allen expressing equivocation about the vaccine. Brandon Bean saying the quiet thing out loud, took it to another level. Sean McDermott complaining about the difficulties in getting guys to get vaccinated. And, you know, this may affect all 32 teams equally, or it may just be there are hot spots here or there, and it can affect the chemistry of a team. It can affect the locker room dynamic. And, and, and let's say, regardless of whether or not there's a paper trail that would allow grievances to be filed against the Bills when it's time to cut the roster to 53, if guys in the locker room who are good enough, like Jordan Poyer, to be exempt from being shown the door because they haven't been vaccinated, if they think that the last 15 spots on the roster were given to guys who were vaccinated at the expense of guys who weren't, that, that could stir it up even more. You know, Mike, it, and, you know, the one other thing that you're talking about right now is that as you go along during the course of a season, I think it can become a tremendous competitive advantage, both mentally and potentially physically, for other teams. You know, if one team in a division <clears throat> has only 60% of their guys vaccinated and another team in the division has 90%, and they got all the freedom, everything is beautiful, it's wonderful. And then the other team, you're starting to see see cracks in the chemistry. I'm just, look, and we don't know what November is going to bring. We simply do not know. But I can just tell you that these are the possibilities that smart people in the NFL have thought about, smart team people have thought about, and they're just hopeful of getting to 85%. And, and Peter, there's a very simple argument to be made to those who are reluctant. And I say this from the perspective of someone who is willing to give the government the benefit of the doubt when 
the former presidents line up all but one and tell us it's safe and effective. And there is a push for all of us to get it for the greater good because it is safe and effective and because the side effects and the serious consequences are very few and very far between. So I'm coming from that perspective. But I would say to a player who's on the fence, think about everything you would do, everything you would give up for a chance to win a Super Bowl. Okay, go get the shot. If getting the shot improves your team's chances of winning a Super Bowl, then go get it. Think of all the illegal drugs guys have done over the years to improve their ability to play, to make them better. Things that have far worse side effects than a vaccine. If we're going to get into, you know, steroids and other PEDs, guys do that to improve their chances of playing at a high level and winning a Super Bowl. So I I think the coaches who can communicate it the right way are going to be the ones who see themselves with 65 of 90 on their way to 77 and on their way to 85% when the regular season rolls around, Peter. Can I just say one last thing about this, Mike, because everybody is probably screaming, hey, talk football. But the one last thing But it is football, but that's the thing. It is football. It's an important factor in how football is going to be played in 2021. There is no question about it. But just think about this for all the people who say, ah, you know, if the Bucs only have 50%, don't worry, they'll get over it. They got Tom Brady. The only thing to think about is that most of America, starting in August, September, October, I would say most of America is going to be back to living fairly normal lives. People going back to school, colleges reopening, all of these things. Every, you know, people going back to their offices and, and stadiums you know, being full or close to being full. There's going to be one very significant exception. That the superstars on your team who choose not to be vaccinated, you talk about do everything you can to win a Super Bowl. Can you imagine you report to training camp on July 27th, let's just say, and if you don't get the vaccine and your team isn't at 85%, just imagine that every day for the next six and a half months, while all of America is back to normal, everywhere it's back to normal, you are not back to normal because you got to get up every morning and at seven o'clock get in your car on off days, bye weeks, between training camp, everything, every day, you got to go get a nasal swab. You know, and every mo- every day when you walk into your building, you have to have a mask on. Nobody else has a mask on, but you got to wear one because you won't get the vaccine. To me, not getting the vaccine is an incredible commitment to whatever the principle is for not getting the vaccine. And it is such a gigantic commitment that that's why I feel at the end of the day, so many players are going to say, hey, screw this. I I don't want to have my life like it was in 2020. I want to be free in 2021. And the sooner they realize it, the sooner they can get the shots and be ready to go when training camp opens. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Peter had another compelling item in Football Morning in America. Not that I'm surprised by that. I didn't mean to say that in a way that made me surprised. It was great. It was awesome. It relates to the future of Roger Goodell. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live.
With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. You know, back when Roger Goodell signed his most recent contract, then NFL spokesman Joe Lockhart said that would be Goodell's final contract. Goodell quickly said, no, it won't. And not long after that, Lockhart was gone. So as the train keeps rolling forward in Roger Goodell's career, Peter King addressed the situation in Football Morning in America. Sitting here today, Peter, what's your best guess? What's the over-under? If Points bet we're going to create odds of the Roger Goodell retirement. What would be the over-under of number of years left before he walks off into the sunset? Five. Because his contract allows for th- calls for three more years. 21, 22, and 23. Then his contract is up. And Roger Goodell, even among close associates, has not discussed openly or or very much even privately what he wants to do other than the fact that all of these people who know him well told me uniformly or several of them told me uniformly Roger's not a big habit guy you know he's not he doesn't long to go fishing in the outer banks he doesn't want to go on a two-week golf vacation to Scotland he does love golf. Uh, he belongs to Augusta. But, but you know, what he wants is to do this job, which he really likes to do. He's in good health, and he is in, uh, he's in form right now after getting the collective bargaining agreement done, after getting the television contract done, you know, both within the span of one year. Mike... The reason Joe Lockhart said that stuff is that everybody in the league felt that when this, when those two things were done, Roger Goodell would begin to have an exit strategy. Well, far from it. I am told that he has been, even though he's got a, a leadership team that has been working more than in any other year because they had to get this COVID season played, that he has been all on them about keep your eye on the next thing. We have to make sure that we keep going. No complacency inside this office. 
And look, that's been his attitude all along, trying always to get better in what the NFL does. And this is a guy who 30, 40 years ago, his aspiration was to be the commissioner of the NFL. So he he reached his goal in 2006. 15 years later, there's no reason for him to stop physically, mentally, professionally. You just keep going. And there's, there are no immediate challenges per se. Now, how they deal with gambling, the potential threats that that gambling brings to the game, integrity issues, inside information as gambling grows, that's something they're going to have to worry about. It's something they're going to have to deal with, and they need to be proactive, not reactive. Beyond that, though, there are no icebergs in sight, and there are no icebergs that are hiding. You've got a CBA that lasts for another decade, and the one thing about the TV deals that didn't get covered the way that it should, because we heard about how all oh, these deals are in place until 2031 or 2032, there's an out that the NFL holds in every one of these contracts after seven years, I believe it is. So by the end of the decade, they're going to be pulling the plug on all these TV deals and redoing them. And that may be when streaming fully takes over. Who knows? But... Uh, and I don't know that that's a, a, a negative. I don't know that that's something he'd not want to be there for. I think it's an opportunity to take whatever they have now and make even more money. But, you know, th- there are no storms on the horizon for Roger Goodell. So why not just keep pushing the boat forward? Why, why, and again, if there's not some other thing that you're you're just dying to do over however many years you have left, then why not keep doing the thing that you're good at, that you always wanted to do, and that you still have a passion for? There's no reason to walk away from it. Look, Pete Carroll is 69. Bill Belichick is 69. Roger Goodell is 62. And you would think that the stressors in all three of those men, in in the jobs of all three of those men, uh, maybe not be identical, but they probably do have a lot of stress in their lives. And look, you know, you ask people who know Roger Goodell and he's like, he's maniacal about getting on his, uh, you know, getting on his elliptical or doing the Peloton or, you know, whatever. He's, he is conscious of the fact that he needs to be in good shape to do a job that is as demanding as this job. And so he takes that seriously. I mean, he's not a, not a Joe fitness guy, but he's fit enough. And so I think that for for everyone like me who thought when he signed this contract that he was going to be gone soon after, you know, getting these two deals done. You know, the one other thing we haven't talked about, Mike, is the fact that right now, other than there's probably some patches uh, down in Jerry world, you know, down in Texas with Jerry Jones, you know, who knows? Maybe even with Daniel Snyder in Washington. I don't know. But there are going to be some people who would say, hey, yeah, probably time for old Roger to move on. But I am told pretty reliably that at least three quarters of the owners in the league want Goodell to continue when his contract expires in 2023, after the 23 season. So absent a movement, a verified uh, movement of any sort, I I think he's going to sign another contract. 
And I think he will be around. Now, how many more years? Two, three? Uh, you know, I don't know. But I would guess that if, if I had the over-under right now, it'd be hard for me to pick uh, five years, it, whether I would go over or under that. And uh, we, we need to take a break, but one last point, and we wrote something about this, and this is something I've heard multiple times over the course of the past couple of years. As the NFL continues to grow, as these franchises move toward, thanks to the infusion of cash from gambling, $10 billion in valuation each, and that's coming, there is a thought that the next commissioner won't just be the lieutenant who's been groomed internally, who knows how the sport works, or the guy from a team that has the connections. That at some point they're going to need to start hiring traditional CEOs, and there's a CEO industry, people who have a unique skill set in running a multi, multi, multi billion dollar operation, and then you have the football people who are part of the leadership team. The NFL may need professional CEO as replacement for Roger Goodell by the time he walks away. Let's take a break. When we return, some pre-training camp predictions on this Friday edition of PFT Live. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.